Welcome to MedTech Insights Monthly Digital Health Roundup, where we talk about recent highlights of our coverage of the emerging digital health space. I'm MedTech Commercial and R&D Manager Reed Miller, and with me today are Managing Editor Marion Webb and our Washington, D.C.-based reporter Hannah Daniel. So I'll start with Marion. Earlier this month, you traveled from San Diego to Washington, D.C. to cover the inaugural Digital Therapeutics Alliance Summit along with Hannah. You both were on the ground to listen to panel discussions and talk to some industry leaders. So what were some of the highlights? Yes, thanks, Reed. As you said, this was the inaugural summit from the Digital Therapeutics Alliance, which is a D.C.-based advocacy group for digital therapeutics companies. And while much of the focus was on advancing the industry's marquee bill, the Access to Prescription Digital Therapeutics Act, that Hannah will discuss more in depth later, the conference also featured some interesting panel discussions on topics such as the investment landscape, challenges such as how to create awareness for physicians to prescribe these fairly new category of digital therapeutics, and of course, how to foster patient engagement. So I wrote a story based on a panel discussion that I listened to between health professionals, industry groups, and digital therapeutics innovators that highlighted some of these opportunities as well as barriers as it relates to developing and adopting these digital therapeutics. And pretty much the consensus was that companies still have a lot of work to do in creating awareness and promoting adoption of their products for various reasons. So one of the panelists, Meg Barron, who is the vice president of Digital Health Strategy for the American Medical Association, said that according to an AMA survey that they conducted of 1,300 physicians of all ages and various specialties, enthusiasm for digital therapeutics is high among doctors, she said. But in order to prescribe digital therapeutics, the doctors mentioned that they had several requirements. So they wanted to see clinical trials that show that these therapies are effective and do indeed improve patient outcomes, as well as a clear pathway to reimbursement. They wanted to ensure that they had fair physician pay and also liability coverage. So quite the list of requirements. All panelists also agreed that developers need to align with consumers and providers early on in the development of these therapies to ensure that they do create value and also fit seamlessly into the workflow of doctors and other health professionals. That was very important because health professionals are increasingly facing burnout due to a rising workload and other challenges they're facing. And therefore, these products need to be seamless in terms of the workflow of these health professionals. Yes. So as Marion mentioned, covering the regulatory issues, I focused on panels about the landscape of digital therapeutics regulation from international policy to reimbursement and wrote several stories on these issues. Members of the Digital Therapeutics Alliance spent the first day of the conference lobbying in support of the Access to Prescription Digital Therapeutics Act, which would require coverage of prescription digital therapeutics under Medicare and Medicaid. Currently, There are many barriers to DTX reimbursement, including the lack of any specific code for the products. The U.S. doesn't have any legislation regarding DTX, and if the Access to Prescription Digital Therapeutics Act were to pass in the U.S., it would be the first policy regarding DTX products. In South Korea, the government has already created legislation specific to DTX and is the first country in the world to have done so. The DTA also released a comprehensive report of the regulatory landscape for these products across the EU at the conference. Kristen Milburn, Healthware's Chief Marketing Officer of Publications and Digital Health, said that the Patrick legislation is one of Europe's largest challenges. 
Well, thanks, Ham. Yeah, that's obviously an important development. So, Marin, you also happened to get a chance to talk to the head of Welt USA. That's Danny Kim, uh, digital health company. So what did you learn from him? Yeah, so just to give some background, Danny Kim is a trained pharmacist. He's also a member of DTA's board of directors. And being fluent in Korean and English, he's also an advisor to the Korean government. And South Korea's Ministry of Food and Drug Safety earlier this year approved a cognitive therapy to improve insomnia, which was actually developed by the company that Mr. Kim works for, Welt. The big shadow, of course, that was hanging over the conference was the bankruptcy of Pair Therapeutics, which was a pioneer in digital therapeutics and also the first company in the U.S. to receive FDA approval for prescription digital therapeutics. And that was called Reset, an app that uses cognitive behavioral therapy to treat substance use disorder. Welt was among four companies that took part in the bankruptcy court auction of Pears Digital Therapeutics. Specifically, Welt paid $50,000 for Pears migraine assets. And I wanted to speak to Danny Kim about Welt's plans for these acquired assets. He told me that the firm already had migraine in mind because migraine is closely linked to sleep disorders, which is, of course, a major focus at Welt's therapeutic business. Mr. Kim, who actually worked at Pear prior to his new position at Welt, told Medtech Insight that the migraine assets are complementary to Wild's digital therapeutics program, particularly as it pertains to its work to improve people's sleep. And he foresees that the migraine assets may be used to develop a digital therapeutics app that harnesses artificial intelligence to predict migraine attacks and provide recommendations for next steps, such as going into a dark room or taking medication. He said it's, you know, of course, very early because the company just acquired these assets. But now one of the other companies that bought a big part of Pear's assets is Harvest Bio. And behind that company is Pear's former CEO, Corey McCann, who could not be reached in time for the story that I wrote. However, Mr. Kim believes that, and I quote, it's a good signal to the industry and outside the industry, end quote, that the founder of Pear is actually trying to give these assets a second life. Harvest Bio spent $2.03 million for pair assets related to schizophrenia, multiple sclerosis, depression, as well as the Pair Connect commercial platform and the rights to the Reset program that I mentioned earlier for treating substance use disorder, as well as Reset O for opiate use disorder. That said, though Mr. Kim believes that in the absence of a clear reimbursement pathway, which remains a huge barrier for wider adoption of digital therapeutics, there will be more companies like Pair that are going to get into trouble. That's right. So I also edited a piece about the ongoing struggles of Pair, along with a few other PDT companies that are facing reimbursement challenges. A version of the article by Tim Casey that originally ran in AIS Health Plan Weekly, which is also published by our parent company, Norstella. So, for example, Better Therapeutics, a company working on a PDT to help people with type 2 diabetes, also went public through a SPAC deal, just like Pear. And since then, they've also had to cut staff to try to extend their runway. Now, in their case, they are just hoping to get to an FDA approval this year. That was obviously would help that it would remains to be seen like it'll take off after that. Yes, Reed. And as Hannah mentioned, there is a bill supported by the Digital Therapeutics Alliance trade group that would push Medicare to pay for digital therapeutics. Would that help these companies, you think? Well, it, it would certainly not hurt and it would probably help. But keep in mind that a lot of these therapeutics aren't 
for the Medicare population. So that part really wouldn't help. Um, and a lot of these people are on Medicaid. So there's still going to be a lot of uh, third party payers that they need to convince. So, for example, we wrote about Achille. Uh, you've written a lot about them in particular, that makes game-based therapeutics for kids with ADHD. Uh, they've also had to make some cuts lately. And Akili said that most of their users have just paid for it themselves uh, because their insurance doesn't cover it. And as we've seen in all medtech, that's just a very tough way to grow a medtech business. And the investment community is starting to maybe be a little uh, skeptical uh, that there's enough demand, at least right now, for a lot of these ideas, regardless of whether or not they're actually good ideas and whether they can help people. For example, Brandon Aylward, he is the director of digital health for RTI International. That's a nonprofit research group. Uh, was quoted in our article that said that a lot of doctors are sort of interested in these therapies, um, at least they say they are, but most of them so far at least have not been interested enough to actually be using them. And that's because it just doesn't fit into their you know day-to-day -day workflow and getting reimbursement is either impossible or just an enormous hassle. So as we've seen with lots of these kinds of technology, if it doesn't just plug into what doctors are already doing or they don't it's not very obvious how they can make it work with what they're doing and their very tight schedule. And it's not going to get a lot of adoption. So uh, his point was just that a lot of these companies, they just have a lot of work to do to educate the clinical community. But obviously, if they're you know just cutting people and trying to just stay afloat until the next approval, it's going to be hard for them to really put a lot of investment into getting people out there to kind of change the way doctors work. Yeah, this is not an easy time to be trying something new. Thanks for all that, Hannah and Reed. I'm sure we could discuss this for a long time and we probably will, but for now, we can wrap it up. You can read all about these topics and more at medtechinsight.com. There you can also access all of our podcasts, including past editions of the Digital Health Roundup and all of the podcasts from our sister publications like Pink, Script, HBW, and in vivo. Just click the podcast menu at the top of the homepage. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your week.